Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to give you the headlines so you can get caught up quickly. You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, May 6th. 2021 in the Gregorian calendar and the 24th of ER 5781 in the Hebrew calendar. That means we have a special interview at the end of the show. We'll do a bit of election analysis with our political analyst and commentator Juan Antonio Caldez Rodriguez. He's joining us to talk about Yair Lapid, how he's getting the mandate and what he's going to do with it, how he's going to try to pull together a government for the Israeli public, and what will happen if he doesn't. Now, let's get to the news. President Ruvi Rivlin announced Wednesday, so that's yesterday, that he has tasked Yeshatid Chair and Knesset opposition leader Yair Lapid with forming Israel's next government. Lapid leads the change block of parties that seek to remove Netanyahu from power and from Israel's political future. In a televised statement, President Rivlin says the main reason he picked Lapid was because Lapid has the best chance of forming a government that can win the Knesset's backing, but it will be an uphill battle nonetheless. Lapid and Bennett have been negotiating heavily in recent weeks, reportedly closing in on agreements in many areas. Now, Bennett is the head of the Yamina party, which is a right-wing party. Lapid says he's ready to let Bennett serve as prime minister first in a rotation agreement. Moments before Rivlin's announcement, Bennett signaled that he'd be willing to join a unity government, saying that fifth elections would destroy the country and a unity government would bring the years-long political deadlock to an end. We're going to give you a little bit more on that. If you have questions, you should certainly send them over to us, whether it's in an Instagram DM, on a comment, in a Facebook message, and I'll try to get those answers to you. This is a follow-up on a story that we've been covering. Do you remember? Do you remember that three yeshiva students were injured during a drive-by shooting in the West Bank? One of them, a 19-year-old student who was shot in the head earlier this week, passed away from his injuries Wednesday night. That was last night. The Shin Bet announces less than an hour later that it apprehended the suspect in the attack. The name of the young man was Yehuda Geda, and he was among three yeshiva students who were shot at at the junction on Sunday. The two other students were Benania Peretz. He was shot in the back and remains in very serious condition in the hospital. And Amichai Hala, who has been released from the hospital to recover at home. The Israel Defense Forces arrested several other accomplices and people associated to the gunman. The Palestinian man arrested has American citizenship, as do many in his neighborhood of Turmos Aya, that's just north of Ramallah. Hamas has been celebrating him, and a spokesman even referred to him as having revived the hope in the hearts of the Palestinian people. His wife says Palestinian officers coordinated with Israelis to arrest him, 
and that the Palestinian officers entered her home and tried to get information out of her, but she said she didn't know anything. The alleged killer has a thriving business in the Palestinian territory, a home of his own, and children as well. Israeli aircraft bombed Syria for the second time this week. In fact, for the second time within 24 hours. This is according to Sana, or Syrian state media, since the Israeli Defense Forces don't usually share updates about their operations in Syria. The report says that Israeli copters struck the border town of Kunetra in the Golan Heights on the Syrian side. No injuries or damage came out of this strike. The strikes produced large fires, which nearby residents posted videos of on social media. Sana says Wednesday, however, one person was killed from the strikes and six were wounded. This is the first reported attack since a Syrian aircraft exploded in Israel's southern desert, the Negev. We reported on that as well. Sana says the casualties in the attack early on Wednesday were civilians. If you are getting caught up on your Israel Daily News with us, and you consider yourself an Israel Daily News podcaster, support the show. I'm looking to gain a new round of paid subscribers so that we can continue to run this show daily. Send over a monthly contribution at anchor.fm backslash Israel Daily News backslash support. Thank you to one of our earliest listeners and supporters, Shane Zide, who just upped his contribution and doubled his paid subscribership. Thank you, Shane. Thank you for being with us and supporting us and encouraging us. We have one central link in the show notes, which you can click on, and that will take you to the page where you can make a contribution and feel good knowing that you are supporting independent journalism. You can also support us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Two, you can share the show with a friend. And three, you can follow us on social media at israeldaily.news as well as Shanafold. That's S-H-A-N-N-A-F-U-L-D. Don't forget, everyone, Mother's Day is coming up in the United States on Sunday. We celebrate Mother's Day. Sunday is also my birthday. May 9th is my birthday. So I am with my mother for my birthday and for Mother's Day. So... Don't forget to get your mom a gift. And if you want to do something special for my birthday, you can send over a contribution to the show. That is really the number one thing that I care about. New lawsuits to talk about over here. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is suing the former Prime Minister Ehud Olmer for defamation and 837,000 shekels, or about $256,000, in damages for statements made against the Netanyahu family in two recent interviews on TV. One was April 12th, the other April 21st. Olmer says Netanyahu and his wife and son are mentally ill and that any psychiatrist would have them sent to a mental hospital. Well, he said that Netanyahu also ruined Israeli democracy. Netanyahu asked Olmer to retract his statements, but instead, the former prime minister doubled down on them and repeated them. StoreDot, an Israeli company that manufactures fast-charging batteries, has been given special permission to conduct research in outer space. The company will be given the chance to conduct experiments in a zero-gravity setting on the International Space Station. The battery developer believes that doing tests in these conditions will help reveal any setbacks with the battery technology. 
Storadot, along with many other Israeli companies and researchers, has been selected for this special space access through a program called Rakia, Hebrew for sky. The goal is for scientists to conduct various experiments under the conditions of outer space to help advance their knowledge. The Rakia program will also have Israeli military pilot Eitan Stibi travel to the ISS, or the International Space Station, to do work on projects there, making him the second Israeli astronaut in history. We gave you the political update at the top of the show, but now to break it down and explain what is going on in the political arena, we have political analyst Juan Antonio Caldez Rodriguez. He speaks to us from Mallorca, Spain, where he's always explaining to the Spanish public what is going on in Israeli politics. He appears on television there and news programs there and radio programs there. Today, we have him to ourselves. Here is a clip from our Instagram live video. If you want to hear more, you can watch us on Instagram live at israeldaily.news. However, I've cut just the highlights here for you and put it into today's podcast. And now, so Netanyahu had 28 days to form a coalition government. It didn't happen. So now, Yair Lapid, who is the leader of the centrist Yeshatid party, the opposition party, will have another opportunity to try and build a viable coalition. And he will have another 28 days to form a government before it expires. So he received already 11 more recommendations than last time. He has six from New Hope, the party Tikba Hadasha, led by Gideon Sa, um, and five out of six from the joint Arab list. Um, so taking that into consideration, he will have around 56 endorsements, six, 56, 56 seats, yeah. sorry, out of, out of the 61 that he would need. Because in the Knesset, let's remember, there's 120 seats, 120, and you need 61. So he's very close to reaching that majority. But at the same time, he's very far away because those five, he would need the party Ram. Um, for those that may not know, Ram is a new party. It's, um, it's an Arab-Israeli party led by Mansoud Abbas, who wrote to the president really yesterday saying that he would cooperate positively with anyone who's entrusted with forming a government. Um, so he's, he said that he would be there to help. Uh, but we have the problem of seeing how many of the right-wing parties do not want to be in a coalition government with an Arab-Israeli party. And it would seem like they're betraying their voters, and they're betraying the, the identity of the state of Israel as the only Jewish and democratic state. So I think it's going to be, it's almost impossible that they're going to form a coalition government. Personally, I don't see it happening. Uh, but we have 28 days. We have almost a month, and, and many things could happen. Are there any other parties or that are available that, that hold into the uh, coalition? So basically now we have Bennett, with with Yeshatid. and there we have the left-wing parties Meretz, who is like the most left-wing we would say uh Avodah, the traditional labor party who has already backed them up and later would have Tikva Halasha joined their list and would have Ram um if we put them all together we could form a I mean they could form a government or one of the main parties could um, in the votation, they could just basically do an abstention. Like, for example, if the religious Zionist party, they decided to do an abstention or the Likud, they could form a government by doing that. The problem to me, it's not so much about how do you form the government itself, which I think it's still pretty difficult and there's a lot of challenges along the way. 
I think it's more about how can you keep that government sane for four years? How can you do that? Because in the end, we have right-wing parties. We have left-wing parties. We have more religious parties. We have an Arab-Israeli party. Like in the end, they're all defending their, their tribes, as we say in Israel. They all defend their identities. They all defend their communities. So there's not really this sense of, of national unity. Of course there is, but at the same time, they're very tribal in a sense. So I don't know how you can put together right-wing, religious, Arab-Israeli, all of that together. Right. So that's because- what, I mean, that would definitely be the, the definition of a unity government. So why would Yair Lapid want to rotate his power with of the Yamina party? Um, can you just explain that? Yeah, actually, before I do, there's one thing that I would like to point out. I think it's very interesting to see how Naftali Belet and, and Yair Lapid, both of them worked under Netanyahu. They served as ministers with Netanyahu. And they know him really well. I just think it's interesting how they, they both created their own parties. But until a couple of years ago, they were working with Netanyahu and they were loyal voters and, and very loyal to, the, to, to, to Bibi. Um, I think that the reason why they would do this is because, first of all, you have Yair Lapid, who is the main opposition party. Naftali Bennett has seven seats. So technically, you can't really become a prime minister with seven seats. I mean, we've never seen it happening. At this point with Israel, nothing surprises us anymore. But I think it would be very... It would be very stable and I think it would be easier for them to form a government because if Lapid said, okay, I'm going to be in power for four years and I need you to support me and to back me up in this votation. But after that, I won't need you. It wouldn't look too good and Naftali Bennett would be like, so you're just using me. Politics in the end, you use each other. That's how it works. But unfortunately, but um, Naftali Bennett said, okay, you want my votes, even though ideologically we're not on the same path. Let's not forget this because... Yeshatid is a centrist party, we could say center-left even. And Naftali Bennett is very much on the right. Naftali Bennett still does not recognize a Palestinian state. Naftali Bennett is more religious. Let's keep, for example, no transportation on the Shabbat and, and all of those things. Whereas Yeshatid is it's a very secular, very, very secular party. So there's a lot of differences between them. But at the same time, I think that it's great to see how, no matter how different they are, because they're very different in many things ideologically, what they're trying to do is actual unity. For me, this is national unity, more than what we saw with Bibi and with Gantz, because there were a lot more similarities between them. I think it's amazing to see how these two could put this government, even though it's short of the requisite of 61 majority. But I think it would be amazing. And I think if they could be there for two years each, it would be, it would be incredible, and it would teach a valuable, a very valuable lesson to the world. And now he has, let's not forget, he has... Uh, formally, Lapid has until June 2nd to present the government. So he has a good amount of time to try to convince everyone to enter into this big national unity government. And if they fail, the mandate is returned to the Knesset for 21 days. And if that doesn't happen, if no candidate gets the required number of signatures, the Knesset will automatically dissolve and a fifth election will be held before the year's over. But let's hope for that not to happen. Wow. Well, fun. I just want to say that you just broke that down piece by piece. Excellently. Thank you for explaining that to our viewers and our listeners. Um, that was very important what you said about what's going to happen. People are a little bit fuzzy about, you know, what the next step. Is. So I did have another 
question. What happens at the Knesset in this 21-day interim period after neither candidate can pull together a government? And that I wanted to understand what type of tactics are going to be used in convincing. Um, okay. in, so are we talking about Yair Lapid calling people up on the phone, sending them emails, giving presentations about what party does that that those are the two things I want to understand okay so as I said Lapid now has until June 2nd to present the government okay so let's say that he doesn't worst case scenario if he fails to do so the mandate is returned to the Knesset so once it is returned to the Knesset any MK can be presented with the support of 61 MKs within 21 days okay so he has he or she has 21 days, no matter who that may be, Yamina, religious Zionist, Ram, um, Likud, any party, any person can come in and present him or herself as the new leader. But he or she would need the support of 61 in case because that's the majority of the Knesset. So, and if no candidate gets the required number of signatures, and as I said, the Knesset automatically dissolves, fifth election is held before the year's over. Um, and the second question, so what could try to happen, and it's very well known because um, this happens behind the scenes all the time, is that, for example, let's say Yeshatid, the leader of Yeshatid, Yair Lapid, could come and go and talk to Likud members and say, hey, I'm going to offer you a portfolio, a ministerial portfolio, if you vote for me. And this happens sometimes. We see how there are certain members of a party who are, for example, in the Likud, there are certain leaders up there that are not too happy with, with Bibi Netanyahu. Not Judy Alderstein, not at the very top, but some at the bottom are not too happy with Netanyahu. So we could easily see how Jeshutit could convince some of the members in the Likud, because it's the biggest party in the Knesset, to vote for him. How he would do that? Because he would offer an exchange, a ministerial portfolio. And we could see that with other parties happening too, along the way. It wouldn't be um, impossible to see it happening. It is difficult as of right now, but it could, it could happen. Um, but as I said, even if he does that on a tactical level, my biggest concern, as I said before, and I want to just reinsert that because I think it's very important that people understand this. How can you keep that government for a good amount of years? Because that's my biggest concern. Forming a government is very difficult as we're seeing. And Israel is unfortunately suffering one of the, I think, in its history, in its short history as a country, the biggest political stalemate um, that we've ever seen. But that's not my concern because they can form a government. Problem is, after you form a government, how can you put all of those parties with such a different ideology and different interest into the same path? That's my biggest concern. Okay. And thank you for explaining that. One more. What is a ministerial portfolio? A ministerial portfolio. So, for example... Um, health, economy, justice, all of that. For example, I get, let's check it. The number two of, of, of Naftali Bennett said that she would want to keep her portfolio as Minister of Justice as she was until not too long ago. So that's what he would try to do. For example, in this past government between Bibi and, and Gantz, there were 36 ministers with 36 different portfolios for each minister. So now what they're trying to do is reduce those 36 ministers to 24, which is still a lot because it does cost a lot of money to keep all of that running, by the way. 
um, people must know that this is not free of charge. <laughs> Unfortunately, that you have to pay for that. So the, what they would try to do is within all of these parties, let's say four, five, six different political parties, each of them would try to have a different ministerial portfolio. And in the case of those, for example, Likud members or something like that, they would offer them like small things. And that's what that happened between Bibi and Gantz last year when uh, when Abodad joined and no one expected them to join because they were completely opposed to it. But what did Bibi do in a very smart way? He proposed a ministerial portfolio and they accepted it. All right. Well, that is it for today's show. Today is Thursday, May 6th, 2021. Again, Sunday is Mother's Day and it is my birthday. Tel Aviv has a low of 18 degrees Celsius and a high of 28 degrees. That is 65 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 83 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. I am everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. You will also get the Cliff Notes version of our original stories, investigations, and interviews. You can sign up by using the link in the show notes. I'll send you off today with Flying High by Erica Kral. She is a talented Israeli DJ. I just can't wait for her to blow up on the international stage. Now, let's get high with her on her song, Flying High. Have a great and productive day. Fly high, everybody. Have an excellent weekend and Shabbat Shalom.
Run into the edge of the dark.